you know, when we look at pre-contact Indigenous societies, not everyone was ecologically sustainable. There were some, like Cahokia, that devastated their homeland. So we're not trying to be romantic here about what pre-contact Indigenous life was like. Hi, my name is Dan Dick, and welcome to Church Matters. At the time of this recording in July 2013, the mainstream media has lost interest and is barely paying attention to some significant events occurring across Canada in the past year. Indigenous groups joined by some white folks in some cases have been holding walks, marches and demonstrations in an effort to call attention to environmental violence and abuse. Burst oil pipelines have poisoned land. Environmental scientists say they have been muzzled by governments. And other scientists are warning of global climate catastrophe as the atmosphere's carbon dioxide levels approach what they say is the point of no return. And even more recently, a tanker car rail explosion in Quebec has killed dozens of people. It is in this unsettling context that a new book, Buffalo Shout, Salmon Cry, has been released. Edited by Steve Heinrichs, the project brings together 38 voices of Christian and non-Christian Indigenous and settler peoples in a conversation about caring for creation. To do justice to our topic, we'll be breaking up the program into two parts, starting with part one today. Today I welcome Steve Heinrichs to our guest chair. Steve is the Director of Indigenous Relations at the Mennonite Church Canada National Office. One of his primary passions is bringing together Indigenous and white people to learn together how to better care for the natural world upon which we all depend for survival. A former pastor in the Carrier Territory of Northern British Columbia, Steve is energized by helping settler people grapple with the great hope and promise of life done together. Steve enjoys hearing the stories and experiences of Indigenous and settler people and is the editor of Buffalo Shout, Salmon Cry. He leads workshops, teaches, and preaches. Steve, welcome to Church Matters. Thanks, Dan. Great to be here. What kind of audience did you have in mind when you were plotting out the idea for this book, Steve? A few years ago, Mennonite Church Canada produced a resource that had a similar theme to it. It was called Reaching Up to God Our Creator, and it was written by both Native and non-Native folks in our community, in our church community, um, and exploring ideas, notions of our Creator through both Scripture and sacred traditions. The resource that we created here, Buffalo Shout, Salmon Cry, was intended to take it one step further. It was going to be a more intense conversation. And uh, the, the analogy I would use uh, is two-eyed seeing, which was an expression that a Mi'kmaq elder at a Truth and Reconciliation gathering gave to me. He challenged me and many other non-Native folks to start viewing the world through two eyes, Indigenous lenses and settler lenses together. And so we tried to create a resource that is really dialoguing critically with these views, not just presenting them, but wrestling with them. So it's an intense work, but we hope it's still accessible for most folks uh, in the circle or in the pew. Steve, what makes this book different from other tomes about the environment? Well, first off, I would say uh, the book is not simply about the environment. That's one of the main themes. Um, But alongside that theme of the environment is a concern for Indigenous peoples. And the lens by which we're looking at these two issues, the environment and Indigenous peoples, 
is colonialism. And that that's kind of what makes this book a little bit different than other books, is the impact upon creation, the concern, as you mentioned uh, in your opening about global warming, climate change, has a lot to do with the struggles that Indigenous peoples are experiencing as well. What unites that? I say there's a theme of colonialism that brings those two things together. Say the other thing that makes this book significant is that you actually have settler peoples and Indigenous peoples talking to one another about these issues. I haven't come across a book like that. It's usually just chapters by different authors, but they're not dialoguing. Here we tried to have them connect. I hope we were somewhat successful in that. Why is it needed right now? It's hard not to sound alarmist in this, but I think we are living in an urgent time. Many climate scientists are saying that we have, you know, a dozen to 20 years to radically change our carbon emissions before we fundamentally alter the situation with the earth and bring us into a pretty grave predicament. Alongside that climate concern that we have, um, I look to the local and the experience of the Indigenous peoples all around me. So here in Manitoba, 70% of the children in the foster care and adoption system are Native children. If those were Mennonite kids, if they were Claussens, Heinrichs, and white children, I think we would be alarmed. There would be a sense of urgency. But because it's gone on for a few generations now, it's kind of normal. How are these things connected to creation care and the Aboriginal perspective on creation care? Uh, the approach that um, I'm taking and many of the authors in the book are taking is that the devastation that Indigenous peoples have experienced over the last 150 years and the devastation that the land has experienced over the last 150 years is connected through colonialism and settler presence on the land. Now that's not to demonize non-Native peoples who are here. There are many wonderful non-Native peoples, but it's saying that um, for thousands of years, Indigenous peoples did live sustainable lives in whole communities and things were good. But when settlers came to this land, dispossessed them of the land, fractured their communities through a variety of things like residential schools, it deeply impacted their communities and they had a different way of relating to the land. They didn't have industrial capitalistic econ economies that did have an impact upon the land that we're now, or at least since the 70s, discovering this isn't so healthy. That's a great segue into my next question. Now, this book is not a light read, and, and the writers don't pull any punches. A central theme that runs throughout the conversation suggests that Mother Nature, at least in North America, would be in much better shape if white people had never arrived. One of the contributors, Will Braun, writes, and I quote, Of course, Indigenous people would not be participants in the complicated mess had colonizers not shown up. That seems to me to be a rather pie-in-the-sky assertion. Now, you move around a lot in circles of Indigenous people. Is it really likely that First Nations folks in North America would still be living off the land in their traditionally historic ways, while just across the ocean, white folks are texting each other on cell phones and driving cars? That's a great question. And I'm not sure about that. Like, there are... Um, there are, are well over 500 Indigenous communities 
in North America. And I can imagine a, a variety of responses to that. So, you know, when we look at pre-contact Indigenous societies, not everyone was ecologically sustainable. There were some, like Cahokia, that devastated their homeland. So uh, we're not trying to be romantic here about what pre-contact Indigenous life was like. But we're saying, on the whole, it was a lot more sustainable than our current communities in North America are. So I don't know. Like, uh, let's take an Amish or conservative Mennonite example. We have communities in North America where they're not sitting around texting and playing Nintendo Wii. But they're right next to communities that are doing that, and they've chosen to do otherwise. So I could see Indigenous communities, and I know of some, that choose not to enter into those kind of ways of being. So it's possible. I would affirm, though, that th I think there is something to Indigenous worldviews, generally speaking, that contributes to a, a better way of being with the land. Uh, there's more balance that's emphasized in those worldviews. More than one of the contributors to Buffalo Shout Salmon Cry suggests that Christians have wrongly understood the directive in Genesis 1.28. And here I'll quote, God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Contributor Tink Tinker says that Christians understand the natural world as a theology of domination. And he further writes that, quote, theologies of domination have not served the world well. What do you say to that? Well, I, you know what, I think most of us would say theologies of domination haven't served the world well. What, where we would disagree with folks like Tinker and Waz and others in the book um, would be on the interpretation of, of that Genesis passage where they're seeing not a mandate to care for creation and to live uh, in harmony with it, but they clearly see it as an, an anthropocentric uh, worldview that's being mandated. That means uh, humans are what count and everything is to serve uh, human desires and wishes as we go about ruling. And, you know, there's lots of Christian communities, teachers today who would say that's clearly not what Genesis 1 is advocating. It's calling for a more sustainable way of being with the world where we tend to the environment around us like, like a gardener in a garden. Um, I, what I would say alongside folks like Tink and Waz um, is I appreciate the questions they're offering up because I wonder, is that really what the Genesis author was asking? Like, I want to see notions of stewardship and care and balance in that old Genesis text. But is that really what the Genesis text is saying? I struggle with that. That completes part one of our two-part series on creation care and Indigenous neighbors. Join us again next time for part two. We have over 20,000 listeners to this program. In 2012, Church Matters podcasts were downloaded nearly 6,000 times. We're grateful for each and every listener. To continue hearing Church Matters, please consider supporting this program with a gift to Mennonite Church Canada. To give, just call 1-866-888-6785 or visit MennoniteChurch.ca and click on the donate link. 
If you would like to access the book Buffalo Shout, Salmon Cry or the Reaching Up to God, Our Creator curriculum, visit resources.mennonitechurch.ca. My name is Dan Dick and you've been listening to Church Matters. Know that you are called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Thanks for listening. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the Salt and light as people of the way